welcome to Garage Night, a show about automobile things. I have with me today Jeff and Andy. And I am Randall. So uh, we're going to start with uh, what everyone's been up to. What have you guys uh, been up to this week? Uh, just staying alive. Yeah, just uh, avoiding the Saturday night fever. <laughs> <laughs> Putting it lightly. Yeah, yeah. I, I've been working from home all week, which is pretty cool. But, uh, you know, under the circumstances, probably not ideal. But, you know, I, I'm cool staying in my PJs all day and uh, working working on my laptop. It's pretty nice. I have not been able to work from home. The con of working in the service industry. <laughs> I'm still out running every day for as, yes. long as, as long as we can until I get laid off. So hopefully that doesn't happen, but it's probably going to. But other than that, I haven't been doing much. Randy, how about you? Uh, same uh, manufacturing industry. So, you know, if, if we're not there doing the work, it doesn't get done. Um, but you know, just kind of keeping an eye on things and making sure everyone in my family stays healthy. And, you know, I'm, I'm not going to endanger anyone else. Uh, even though I'm not in the sector that, you know, is likely to have any harm come to me from it. It's just, you know, it's best to protect everyone in, in this, uh, situation. But I, I, I think it's nice that people who can work from home are, are, uh, being encouraged to, I think that's a good idea. Yeah, that's that's kind of the one of the things I, I like to see people take that attitude of, I know I, I may not get it, but I, you know care about your fellow man kind of thing. Um, not you know the next guy might not be so lucky, you know, and you might be the guy bringing it to that person. So um, you know always get to be responsible and and uh, you know take care. So yeah, um, but that uh, that means that. Jeff, we're going to put all the pressure on him for actually having time to work on his vehicles. That's how this works, right? Sure. Oh, for sure. <laughs> we all know I'm not doing anything right now. <laughs> yeah. Just washing your hands over and over. Still going through the uh, the SOS pads and lava soap, but not getting anything done with it. <laughs> <laughs> but, hey, there is still some good news. Um we're still making supercars and uh, much like last week, we're going to uh, start off with some eye candy. Um, if you have the ability, I recommend you uh, pull up your browser and search this. I'll give you a second. Okay. That's enough time. Um, Cause that's the amount of time that you have to get to 60 miles an hour in the 2021 Zinger 21 C hybrid supercar. That's spelled C-Z-I-N-G-E-R, 21C. And it's it's wonderful. It looks like a proper hypercar. Um, it's just got curves in all the right places and all the horsepower numbers that come with that. That's a really impressive car. Um, I... Uh... Uh, I, I guess this was supposed to be unveiled at the Geneva Auto Show, which was canceled due to the virus going around, um, which is pretty unfortunate because that would have been a great unveiling for something this uh, impressive. Um, what are the specs on it? Let's see, 0 to 60 in 1.9 seconds and the quarter mile in 8.1 in a factory car you can buy. 
that can go around a corner, which is pretty amazing. Um, 186 miles an hour in under 15 seconds and zero to 248 miles an hour and back in 29 seconds. God, from, from stopped to 248 to stopped in less than 30 seconds. That's I can't I, go to my mailbox in that amount of time. <laughs> <laughs> that's, I mean, that's all thanks to the, <clears throat> the, the 2.9 liter twin turbo V8. So it's a little buzzer, uh, but it's not alone. While the V8 is driving the back wheels through a seven speed automated manual, there's uh, two electric motors up front, one for each wheel, kind of like a Fisker Karma. But in this case, it's pushing 950 horsepower to the back wheels at 10,500 RPM, which is Jeez. nuts. And, and then 2.9 liters. That's insane. Yeah, 950 insane. horsepower. That's a lot of RPMs. That's a V8 that's singing. And the, the two electric motors are uh, 201 each wow so that that brings it up to i believe that's each that brings it up to 1233 horsepower jeez at 10,500 rpm right yeah 10,500 rpm that's that's a massive amount of power at just that's a super bike rpm oh yes yeah. i guess it, it uses a, a battery called a lithium titanate battery I've never even heard of that, but I'm assuming it's some new. I don't. I, I'm. That's not like a lithium ion, right? That's that's something different. I'm guessing. Yeah, that, that's weight. something something different completely. Wow. Yeah, multi-clutch, multi-plate clutch, um, all sequentially shifted, and uh, I guess it's uh, hydraulically shifted, isn't it? it? It uses like hydraulics in there somewhere. I was reading. Uh, it's possible. It's not something I I saw, but additive. Um, Additive manufacturing, that, that's cool. They said they, the title of, the, of one of the articles was it was the first 3D printed supercar, right? And that's basically correct. It's got 330 patents or something just on the manufacturing of it. Because, I mean, if you can just print basically around something, I mean, you kind of make, you kind of make a, 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 like a plaster mold or something of it, and then you can scan that in and take measurements and then have that printed in the proper material. And then just, you have exactly the tolerance and the gaps that you want. And then you can package everything in, in just such a way to create something like this. What's well, the, the beauty of, of 3d printing and centering and additive manufacturing. Uh, you can make shapes that you can't make in a traditional mold or with this traditional limitations of, you know, sheets or molds or press brakes or progressive dies and stuff like that. You're, you're basically limitless of what you can do. So if you really wanted to optimize your material consumption and minimize your weight, that's the way to do it. Um, some of the organic shapes that you can create using or, uh, additive manufacturing are eerie. They're, they're so much, they, they look so much like what human bones and, and animal bones look like in the way that their stresses are, are optimized for their loading uh, capacities. You know, a lot of them use uh, like different algorithms that, that uh, determine where material needs to be. And then they refine that just like an FDA mesh, you know, you're refining this, this uh, load structure until it becomes absolutely minimalist. So you're saving as much weight as possible. 
um, for the loading curve, which is incredible. The great thing about additive manufacturing is you know exactly the material properties. You're not dealing with something that's weird or like, you know, you're dealing with steel that has weird grain structure from some supplier somewhere else. Like you're controlling all of that and you're controlling the heat that's put in, you're controlling the way it's layered, all of that stuff. And it's super impressive that they can do this on a, on a large scale. I mean, this is, this in, in this case, it's kind of bespoke, right? 80 units is what they're only going to produce, but still that's considered mass production. Yeah. Some it's degree. still mass so, production. Right. The other yeah. thing too is you're also limiting waste to almost near nothing. Right. Right. Yeah. So you think about uh, think about impact on the world. Right. You're minimizing your impact on the world, so it's it's more eco friendly to do something like this with additive manufacturing than it is to have all that extra extra waste material. Um, it, that you it's would green supercar construction. Yeah. Yeah. Essentially. Yeah. We. Ha- we have some of these machines. Uh, the business where I work has a number of uh, plastic and metal 3D printers. So I get to spend some time uh, talking to the to the boys that run that, and uh, you know that part of the business. And it's it's intriguing what they're able to do. Um, you know, they do some space work and finding out how they worked around and created things that literally could not have been made with subtractive uh, manufacturing, which is, you know, another part of our business. We, you know, we are the future and the past and watching them create things that there's no physical way we could have made that uh, before is, is amazing. And that's part of why it's a $1.7 million car, Yeah, but that's still less than a Chiron by a large extent. Well, if, if you think about it, I mean, some of the things you can create, I, I remember watching a video uh, a few years ago where Konadzek was producing their, they had their turbo uh, for their uh, Ajera or Ajera R, I don't know how to say that, that name of that car, but um, but they were, they were doing a 3D printed turbo in production. And that was because the, the way that they were able to reduce mass by not using bolts and gaskets they could print an entire seamless housing they increase strength they reduce fail points and they uh, optimize material usage and they kept weight low by doing this 3d printed housing rather than a, uh, a traditional like cast two-piece housing um was super you know creative and, and kind of jaw-dropping at the time but it kind of let you see what the future could be and i think this is what we're seeing now and and, you know, unfortunately, we haven't seen it make it into like something uh, that's more affordable and attainable for most people yet. But I think as this technology continues to develop and grow, I think it's going to be more attainable by more people. So, um, you know, just a little tangent, like I've been looking at buying my own 3D printer for my own use and then maybe it's some, you know, slight contract work. But, um, you know, you can get into the 3D printing game, so to speak, for like Three hundred dollars, some as low as a hundred dollars. You can get yourself a little three D printer and print anything you want. But then, when you're talking about something that's high end, like this Singer Twenty One C, you're talking, you know, millions and millions of dollars for these machines. So the capital investment to start something like this is very high, but the rewards are pretty substantial in terms of environmental impact and uh, and you know performance output. You know, I think it's I think it could be something. If we if we continue down this path, I think it could be a really nice progressive thing that we could do that would 
you know, not only better for the environment, but better for performance. And, uh, you know, we can create some stuff that we could never do otherwise. And that's what supercars are supposed to be for, right? We're supposed to be pushing the limit and learning how to do things that would be prohibitively expensive uh, to experiment on a mass-produced car and also something like a, a supercar that has that financial padding in it. You also have um, people who are willing to, you know, shell out for this new technology and, um, you know, they, they go under high stress, um, you know, going zero to 60, uh, in 1.9, you know, quarter mile in just over eight seconds, like that's going to put stress and strain on these materials in, in a way that, you know, you can't simulate otherwise. Yeah, you know, I think that, uh, you know, you're kind of testing the technology and it's abs- in, in one of its worst cases. The only other thing that I think remains to be seen about, you know, 3D printed materials is longevity over time. So like fatigue, I think, is something that is and maybe it's just because I don't know as much about it as I should um, but, you know, fatigue, I think is something that would, will be an interesting thing to see, to see, you know, that's not something you necessarily see a lot in supercars because generally they're not driven a lot. So when you get it, when you say you're, you know, you're using centered structural components on a, on a 2021 Camry, you know, that's going to see, you know, hundreds of thousands of miles, we might see something a little different than we would see, you know, with maybe a, a, a turbo that's heat cycled, you know, a, a few thousand times, um, for a, for like a Zinger 21 T, you know? So and I think it would be interesting to see how this evolves. That's the same sort of thing as, you know, the warping of early plastic bumpers on cars through the seventies. Yeah. And, you know, the, as they went to more, um, world friendly paint options, uh, you know, that flaking off early in the, in the process. You see a lot of cars from certain eras have certain problems. Uh, and, you know, you're right that a few supercars that are going to be babied is still not going to have the torture testing that may be necessary for a mass-produced car, but at least it's the first step in. Absolutely, yeah. No, I think that it's a, it's a great first step. And, you know, as with any new technology, there's going to be growing pains. But, you know, uh, to your point, though, like this is a great first step. And as long as manufacturers recognize the limitations of this technology and don't uh, don't bite off more than they can chew, don't put it in a place that's going to cause a detrimental failure that could be you know, catastrophic um, so that then this technology is never used again, you know, because it's something that scares people at that point. Right. So, you know, you want to you want to use it smart and use it in the right places and gradually introduce this in this into, you know, more of a, a structural kind of, um, uh, ad, ad environment, you know? So I think that, I think that there's a lot of future in this technology and it's cool to see the Zinger capture that, um, in its entirety, you know? Yeah, definitely. You know, and, and speaking on the fact of, you know, looking towards the future of it, um, you know, they've said that this, this process, you know, that they're called, it's called divergent 3d is what they're calling it. Um, you know, this process is already, um, 
licensed to two of the five big automakers in the world. And they're saying, you know, expect to see a complete printed rear suspension subframe within the next year on some mass produced vehicles. So there's definitely a lot more testing and going on too than what is they've already done here. So that's in the next year. But I mean, like you said, it was licensed. So it's thanks to their doing the legwork that these big companies have, have gotten so close to, putting it out there in the real world. That's amazing. That's coming that soon. I really hope that they do their due diligence and, and put these things through some insane torture testing. You know, I, I think we've seen a lot, you know, uh, not to, not to, not to diverge too much, but with a seven, four, seven max and all of the problems that that's had with some of its new technology um, and, you know, some other shady things that happened there. Um, I would hate to see that happen with something that's so promising and so bright uh, that could really change the way cars are manufactured. You know, uh, when you say that, Andy, that when you say that they're building a whole subframe, I think that that's probably the worst thing to build uh, to start with uh, for a centered component, you know, a metal component. Like that's exactly what I would hate to see made, you know, something that's safety critical, that's super structural, that if it fails, it's resulting in a sub- substantial problem. You know what I mean? Like, so, if you're yeah, going to build something center, yeah, build yes, something yes that and no. will, will fail safe. Um, right. Yes. Know. And I, I mean, yeah, I, I, I definitely agree. You know, it's a critical point. But if mm-hmm. you know, we've got, you know, somebody, you know, one of the big automakers buying it, there's definitely, well, there's thousands and thousands of thousands of more hours than they've already put into it in, you know, going into the R&D and, you know, they're putting you know time into actually physically testing it in the real world, you know, on dynos, on chassis dynos, on CAD programs, and all that. You know, to design it, they design it to break it, and then they go back and they look at those breaks, and that's where they reinvent it. I think yeah, yeah, I think the, point like that is a good thing for a for a big manufacturer to go after because if they can perfect that process, then they can do an entire car. Coming coming from not this industry but industry in, in itself, I know how things work that like in a, at a corporate level enough to know that like engineers may, may raise a red flag, but management may, may not want to hear it. You know what I mean? That whole thing that goes on. Um, like I could see very clearly that like, you know, maybe, maybe this gets pushed out and doesn't get the sufficient testing it needs because they're trying to meet a timeline that they, that they, you know, said we could hit that is unrealistic it doesn't allow for sufficient testing. You know what I mean? Like that kind of yeah. thing happens all the time in the industry. And so, you know, they put out products that are, that are questionable at best. You know what I mean? So like, um, I, I'm not saying that that's going to be the case here. I really hope it's not because it's a brand new technology. I hope they fully realize that and embrace it. And it's a new use of that technology in a new application. So it's a new environment, you know, you got corrosion, you got, um, you know, shop loading, you got, uh, you know, fatigue, all types of different things that are com- coming together to, to, you know, uh, that are, that are unproven and un, you know, it's, it's unproven in this application. So I really hope that they do their due diligence and don't, don't shoot themselves and the technology in the foot because it's poorly executed or because of some bad timeline. Well, um, well, I do agree with that thought. I will go ahead and throw out there that I know for a fact there is additive manufacturing on Mars and um, on the rockets that uh, SpaceX puts up. 
So NASA and, and SpaceX have been utilizing additive manufacturing pieces for the better part of a decade already. Yeah, so, aerospace has been using additive manufacturing for a long time now. It's right. just so started I, into automotive. Right. I, what, but I, what I will say to your point is while the process is proven, there's always ways of cutting corners to save money when you move down market. So as long as they hold to the same standards or close, at least in line with automotive standards, then we should be all right. But if they start trying to cut costs to make up for the capital costs of additive manufacturing, that's when things could go wrong. But I don't think that's an inherent problem with the product as much as, um, you know, just managers yeah. uh, making bad decisions. But I, I think we're all kind of agreeing on that point uh, sure. in, in the long run. Yeah, no, I, I'm I'm 100% with you guys on it. You know, if they if they implement it smart and safe, I think it's a killer technology, and I'd love to see more of that in the future. Heck, even my 1950 Chevy has some 3D printed parts on it, so you know it's got to be pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's that's some that's some time travel there. That's right. Hey. <laughs> Well, the zinger is cool, um, but one thing that's faster is an F1 car, and that's my clunky transition to our next subject, uh, is the F1 series. Um, and I was looking forward very much to watching this season because we're back into watching uh, Drive to Survive on Netflix, which is still fun. But F1 series has been postponed, um, as has NASCAR and, uh, in my world, Supercross and the March Madness. A lot of things have been postponed, but, you know, in the automotive series, we're seeing the two, arguably the two biggest automotive series in the world. Uh, who knows when they're going to start? Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm guessing this is all uh, resulting of uh, from the virus going around. Yes, certainly. Yeah, that's uh, that's unfortunate. I know I was reading uh, before, I mean, this thing has been developing every single day and changing every day. But for a while there, they were planning on doing like NBA games with no uh, with no audience. And then I guess yeah, no fans right. positive and then they stopped it all. So, you know, it's. It's just really unfortunate to see, but you know, yeah, like the the world of you know, ma- basically mass gathering, whether it's you know, baseball, basketball, hockey, NASCAR, F one, anything large scale, basically went from like, okay, we're operating, we're watching it day to day, to okay, we're gonna go no fans, to we're not running at all within the process of forty eight hours. Yeah, the yeah, no I fans was- thing lasted a very short period of time. Yeah, it was very short. Yeah, we had they a, said uh, 250 people. And it's like, well, that's the camera crew. So, right. Yeah, we had a uh, we had an issue, uh, I guess, the thing sent out to our work last week saying, you know, hey, guys, if you can work from home, you're welcome to work it out with your manager. And then two days later, they're like, we need you all to work from home and get everyone out of the office if you can. Unless you're absolutely essential, you have to be at work, you know, like um, basically telling people, like, go home work from home, you know, and don't come into the office. And that was, uh, it's amazing how quick it's changed from, you know, don't crowds of 250 people 
next day it's crowds of 50 people next day it's crowds of 10 people you know limit your time you know around more than 10 people so it's kind of evolved quickly i think uh, the scale of the problem is finally caught up to action by the people in charge so i think but we're, we're not even in full quarantine like italy is yet even no but i think that you know if, if italy if you look at what's happened with italy we're following behind them by about two to three weeks yeah, um, that's what's unfortunate. Which, which could get sped up in any day as well. Yeah. Yeah. We we had the chance, in my opinion, I, I don't want to get too far into this because it, you know, kind of borders on politics or whatever, but and, and I know we try to stay out of that here, but um I think that we uh we acted too slow in, in typical, you know, uh bureaucratic fashion. We acted too slow to address the the influx of this into the US uh and treated the problem too um, casually. And then now we're paying the price for that. And I said it because we have people over that work for our company over in China and they, they were telling us how bad it really was. And, you know, and we're having, you know, our own people flying back into the U S from China during the outbreak, not getting screened, coming back, they get sick and we're telling them, Hey, go home. Hey, go home. And they refuse to listen, refuse to go get tested but when we finally convince them to go get tested, the doctors won't even conduct a test. So, you know what I mean? Like we're, we were, we were trying to make this the worst possible thing in the U S um, by every means, by every means imaginable, we were doing the wrong thing until yeah, finally we're everyone's just health. trying to kind of keep to like, you know, plug your ears, say la 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 and pretend it's not happening and maybe it'll pass you by. And, you know, cause we all wanted to go, uh, like my, I know people that had tickets to, you know, supercross races and, you know, wanted to go to these events and, you know, are getting refunded, but that doesn't make up for the thing you don't get to do. And yeah. so, you know, with all of these, all the stuff being delayed till at least May, you know, it's just really, you know, messing with people's schedules. So, you know, with those, with those being delayed, that's really gonna, you know, the question is, is that going to mean a shorter season for these events or are they going to try and push later into the year and compete with other, other sports? Um, I know that the supercross season was halfway through, so everyone's just holding their breath going, is this the points? Is this the championship? Is it over? Is there going to be something, you know, in right. for the end of the season? Are we going to get the last couple races? Are we going to get nothing? So, and NASCAR is up in the air going, when do we start? Like, are we going to start at the chase? How's that going to work? Like if you only have two races to qualify for the chase, are we going to cancel the chase? Are we going to, you know, have, you know, shorten yeah. the chase that so we have more regular season, you know, an F1. Yeah, It's, it's going to be interesting coming down to it. You know, it's like, like you said, NASCAR is just getting started for the year. Same with F1. F1 hasn't even run a single race yet. Exactly. They've run no races. So it's just going to be, and, they, and they're canceling the first four. Yeah. And that, that's a big deal because they don't have a lot of races on the docket, you know, compared to, to some other yeah. sports. Yeah, uh, so exactly. they, every race matters. And, you know, they say that every year when, if you follow any sports, uh, like motorsports, especially every round matters, you know, every race, you got to get as many points as you can. It's like, well, every race is going to be that much more important to these racers. Exactly. Exactly. And, and, even even like uh, you know like March Madness is even same thing like that whole thing is basically not happening now. Um, 
hockey season is basically almost at the end before playoffs start and it's you know, 10 to 12 games depending on which team and you know that's that's up in the air too it's everything's going to be you know it's going to be a weird year for everything yeah it could just be this is who qualifies for the finals right now you know it's like how many weeks do we have left unless they can try to you know push and get more stuff out but you know all these event centers are also going to be hurting because they're not making any money and they've got property taxes to pay on these giant venues and you know so yeah some, are we some, gonna... some venues are being better off than others i know a lot of a lot of venues are owned by the cities themselves like look at uh, uh you know portland for example is owned by the city yeah so it's just a question of you know how is this going to affect the the races and the and the games long term are we going to lose any of these teams or venues due to financial troubles and how are we going to deal with that but you know that's part of a, a bigger discussion about the virus but as far as the racing goes um it's just gonna we got to see if they're going to try and extend the racing out but eventually with nascar and f1 you're going to start getting bad weather um, and they're going to have to, you know, go around that. Is F1 going to have a lot more Middle East races at the end of the season to try and make it up? Is NASCAR going to try and go to uh, California like two or three rounds in a row to to make up their numbers? Or is it just yeah. going to be, nope, just eight races this year? What what I think will happen is my, my best educated guess, NASCAR, you know, typically a long season, the races that were missed are just going to probably end up being missed. F1 being, you know, there's less Grand Prix run a year. We'll probably have makeup dates for them. It's it's a little bit of an easier schedule to fit a Grand Prix back in versus, you know, NASCAR. It's, it's going to just be end up being, you know, races dropped, you know, unless God forbid this ends up going into, you know, August or September or something. Then, you know, then you start having that issue of, okay, well, the year's the year, you know, do they just cut the year out? Yeah, exactly. And then do you honor do you honor the season? Do people get championships for it or do you have a hole where in 2020 where hey, it wasn't really fair to, you know, I think NASCAR, it just ends up being a neutral thing. Yeah, like it's, is NASCAR going to give to make it fair to everybody, you know, if you only run a couple of races like NASCAR, or if you don't run anything in F1, it's go home and try it again next year. Yeah, exactly. Um but there is some some better news uh, to finish our coronavirus uh, coverage, which I promise we will end after this. Here's some. Here's an upside. Um, so you're stuck at home, not supposed to go out and do uh, do anything, just just to be safe. Um, but if you're a car aficionado, there are some places online that have kind of built an online museum that you can you can tour and uh really get a feel for the porsche museum uh and the mercedes-benz museum and uh a, a few others corvette museum of course the pearson automotive in los angeles um out closer to me the lone star museum uh ferrari toyota um and there's so many more Honda, Audi, GM, Volvo. Just start looking up automotive museums, and a lot of them have 
virtual tours that you can go through and you can see these cars. It's not as good as being there, of course, but it can help help get your cars and coffee out without the fear of contracting a pandemic virus. Yeah, I'm just going through right now. There's a, I mean, that's, it's pretty neat, really, especially, you know, let alone, you know, disregarding the whole virus thing that you not being able to go out and see them, you know, it's just great for people who might not be even able to travel to these places on, you know, best normal, you know, normal cases. Right. You don't, you, you're not able to fly or you're, or you're sick or, or you're, you know, um, you know, for some other reason you can't make it. I, I think it's just neat just to be able to go look at it. I think that's awesome. Yeah, yeah, I mean, even if you're just uh, agoraphobic, you know, I know a lot of people that don't uh, like leaving the house, cough me, cough. Um, you know, you you can look through and like they've got uh, the Peterson Museum has a, a Batmobile BMW uh, in full racing trim with this amazing red and yellow and white paint scheme. Um, it just looks like such a race car from the era. And I could just sit there and just look at that. Uh, for a while and kind of it gives you a chance to kind of just sit with something and uh and really give it some thought um and you know from the comfort of your own home uh so you know if you are stuck in the quarantine we have international uh listeners so this is something you can go do um i know the motor trend website has a list of these and you can you can click through a bunch of these photos um, and it's a way to kind of get a little bit of automotive spirit back in you without, you know, going out and, and, and seeing them. The uh, I'm scrolling through right now. The, the Pagani museum is actually like actual, like real time 3d. Like you can actually like walk through the place. That's really cool. Pretty neat. I think the Porsche one is like that too, I believe. Yeah, this is this is really a, a neat thing. I mean, how it starts at the uh Oh man, yeah, this is this is really neat. So this is may not be good uh pod, I apologize, but yeah, when you go into the Pagani Museum, you start right next to this this uh very old school looking Horatio Pagani competition like a cart it's like a big v8 cart or is that a v6 Counting the cylinders here it's a v8 cart looks like a, it's a six isn't it i thought i saw another pipe hiding behind that one uh please follow along with us at home um yeah you can kind of see the last fourth white pipe between the top and the second down i believe it's uh, a v8 yeah there's a little honda cub next to it um but yeah, you can do, virtually walk through as you walk towards this here. Uh, it opens up and you can see inside. Oh, they've even got a view from the cockpit like you're sitting in it, which they may not even allow you to do. Uh, it's got a great, great shot of the interior of the, of the Zonda. Just um, Hira or Zonda, I, I forget. But it's got everything all lit up. All the dash lights are on. Uh, and you can really just take a look at that wonderful shifter with the exposed linkage is just amazing in those cars. Yeah, that's pretty neat. There, you could definitely spend hours here between you know, each one of these places. 
oh, we may just have to stop the podcast and we may may just do this. I'm kidding. Yep, um, yep, that's it. This is the podcast for the week, everybody. Enjoy. Um, enjoy, have fun. If anyone needed a, uh, a perfectly adequate, adequate podcast, this is the week that they need it. So uh, <laughs> we will continue on. Um, yeah, so definitely check these out. These are... Um, I just realized the clicking is coming through on the on the podcast. My apologies. Definitely, uh, definitely check these things out because every major automaker seems to have uh, a museum that you can click through and and check out. And you know, especially the ones that have the Google Map walkthrough is almost as good as being there. And in some ways better because i didn't have to fly to italy yes long flight definitely definitely worth checking out there's a lot of cool stuff i'm only on the second one uh andy uh or uh jeff uh have you have you checked some of that stuff out yet is is this oh yeah no it's it's super neat yeah i love i love clicking through these these are awesome okay well i'm gonna go ahead and uh keep us moving uh so a lot of uh a lot of cars losing their manual transmissions. Uh and it's pretty much just hardcore sports cars. You can get a proper manual row your own anymore. You know, third pedal, it's got to be like a V8 muscle car. This surprised me. Um you know, the only other thing I would think, okay, if something's going to have a manual transmission, it's either like a base Mazda 3 or, you know, a base Focus or like a GT350 or, you know, something to that to that extent. Um, uh, how about a, oh, I don't know, large luxury vehicle? Which one do you have in mind? How about the, uh, let's go with the 2021 Genesis G70 sedan. Um, it carries over its two liter turbocharged or two and a half liter. Um, and yeah, you can get uh, a proper six speed manual gearbox um, on that two liter turbo. And in a in a world where you have very few options, even Ferraris and Lamborghinis, you know, supercars are all dual clutch. Um, it's nice that someone's still carrying the torch for a, a big sedan with a six-speed manual. Interesting. I know, I know if I was in the market for this type of a vehicle. Um, though my wife may be less into it, she does know how to drive stick quite well, so she might be okay with it, but this would, this would factor in at least to my decision. And the G70 is a really nice car. I'm not sure it's my aesthetic style, but, um, that's mostly, that's mostly speaking of the front, the side kind of looks like a Lexus GS LFA kind of ish thing and the back is uh kind of c-class mercedes but the front that's what i was gonna say yeah but the rest of it's pretty good but having the manual would definitely help make up for it if everything else lined up 
I could forget the angular front fascia for the the fact that I could row my own. Sure. Yeah, I, I I'd agree with that. You know, it's got some some wine issues on the front, I think, but row your own is definitely a factor for me as well too. And 250 horsepower is, is plenty to uh, to be able to ring out of that thing. Yeah, so it looks like you, there you don't get the the twin turbo 3.5. Instead, 3. you get 5 the or 3.3 four cylinder. But the row your own kind of gives you the little bit of the you know the more the better you know drive feeling I would say. Yeah, I understand why the manual transmission is dying out. I get it and I accept it, but sometimes. It's just fun. My my daily driver uh, that's down here is is a manual, and I I drive it every day, and it doesn't bother me. It keeps me from multitasking. We'll call it in you know in my commute. So there's there's that to say for it. Uh, in some countries, you have to know how to drive a manual transmission to get a full license. I think that's the way it should be. I, should, I think we should have that here. Because then you understand how the vehicle works. And if you understand how something works, you can control it better and you have a better appreciation for for driving it. Exactly. Now, Jeff has one manual, two automatics, and one... I, I don't know what to call a three on the tree nowadays, but... Um, <laughs> In what between... What do you think of the G70 specifically keeping a manual transmission option? Do you think it's not long for this world? They're just using up old stock or? That's hard to say. Um, you know, I, uh, I don't see in, I think in a modern world, companies wanting to keep the manual transmission. Uh, I think the vast majority of buyers are going to be buying automatics. Um, you know, I think that's why we've seen more automatics coming out of, uh, all the manufacturers. It's just easier. It, it fits the bill for commuting. You can do the dual clutch, uh, you know, thing and, and have the shift on the fly for the sporting feel. And really the only thing you're, you're missing is the, is the clutch pedal depression and, uh, the ability to select a non-sequential gear, you know? Um, so, uh, you know, I don't know. It's, it's kind of an archaic thing and I, I feel like nostalgic for that. And I like the feel of shifting your own car. There's just something fun about it. Something it's, it's kind of like what I talked about a few episodes ago, just that feeling of nostalgia brings you back and you feel a little more connected with the car. Um, but you get a lot of that with the automated manual, the automated manuals now, like the, uh, like the Porsche PDK, you know, the, the dual clutch. Um, so, you know, I, I do see them going away, you know, I don't, I see that going away entirely at some point. Um, you know, uh, I think that's, it's unfortunate, but I think it's something that just will happen. I think evolution kind of, of cars just needs that, you know, I think that's just how it's going to go. And you can see, you can see a lot of manufacturers are doing that slowly, you know, like, um, you know, like look at the Supra, look at the, the Corvette, uh, you know, the GT 500, you know, everything's going automatic, you know, for now we can still get a manual and a GT 350, but you know, next production, next revise, you know, that is probably going to go away as well. 
you know, everything's gone that way. You know, look at Lamborghinis, you know, look at everything from, you know, high-end Lamborghinis to, you know, low-end, you know, modern stuff, you know, even base model stuff is even going away. Yeah, it used to be, well, you know, you can save $1,500 by getting the manual option, but I remember it was a number of years ago now that BMW offered uh, a manual as a $1,500 addition. Right. Either they're turning it into options because it's becoming more standard to run automatics through everything or dual clutches or whatever. And, you know, putting the manual in it became the oddball extra step on the line. And so then now that is becoming the option. Also remember they, they are judged on their cafe numbers by what vehicles are sold, not what is offered. And when you have one mile or two mile per gallon better out of the automatic, you want to steer people towards the one that's going to improve your overall cafe numbers. Well, I think that sounds uh, like a new segment. So I think we will uh, move on and we'll go ahead and move on to uh, what we've been doing uh, with our cars and uh, you know, our rads and such oh, regret. Um, so, What's everyone been up to uh, up to with their vehicles this week? I've got a couple things I can discuss. Uh, I uh, let's see. I so with the Bronco, I uh, I met with the painter this last week. Um, pulled the pulled more of the stuff off. Kind of went over the car with him, uh, truck with him a little bit. Um, we we talked for a couple hours just looking over all the little nooks and crannies, making sure he's comfortable with it and kind of got, got it all priced out, make sure everything's kind of where we were thinking. And so that's all ready to go. Hopefully this weekend it's, it's heading off over there. Um, let's see. Uh, I, I went out to uh, uh, West Lynn and uh, met with this guy. Uh, I talked to him God, probably a year and a half ago, two years ago about parts for the Chevy and he has, he has Bronco parts. And I originally went out there for some like, uh, Bronco parts, and then I also was like, eh, you know, maybe he has some parts I could use for the Chevy. So I put a, he has a bunch of 73 to 79 Ford truck parts. And so I bought a, a pedal assembly and some gauges off of him and, and used the gauges for my gauges in my, in my Chevy uh, car, and then used the pedal assembly also for, uh, from a, from a 78 pickup for the pedal assembly uh, in my, in my Chevy. So, um, Used some parts for him and from him, and then I, I went out there and bought uh, new tail lights uh, for the Bronco and and some marker lights. And um, yeah, I should say not new; they're they're used. But um, and he's also going to hook me up with some door hinges and some other stuff as well. So um, just getting some stuff kind of checked off a list of things that need to go back on the truck when it's all done. Um, and uh, let's see, this this week I went and met with the uh, dude who rebuilt my transmission about a year ago. Um, I started having some weird things where it was kind of falling out of gear every once in a while. So he's going to look at it next week. And then uh, my Mustang failed DEQ after I got my, uh, after I got pulled over. I don't know if we touched on that last week or not, but uh, that was fantastic. And then the guys at DEQ called me a liar, which really felt good um, after the cop called me a liar last week. So I'm really, obviously I'm not a very trustworthy guy, um, but uh, yeah, they, they, after, having an exhaust system on the car for had 10, 11, maybe, maybe 11 years now. 
Uh, same exhaust system's been on there. It's got high flow cats and uh, H-pipe and Pintech uh, mufflers. And it's been on there forever and it's never had an issue going through other than um, the flow has always been really low, I guess, where they have the CO plus CO2 on, uh, for your TEQ. And a lot of that's due to the kind of the nature of an H-pipe or an X-pipe. So as soon as you plug a, a plunger up one of the exhausts, the other side compensates and, and you know, you kind of lose flow to the, to the side they're sensing on. So they're going to, of course, they're going to say, yeah, well, it's not getting enough exhaust out of it because you plugged it, you moron. Um, but anyway, uh, so it failed for that reason. And, uh, and the, but the guy told me that, I don't know, these, these, I've never seen cats like this and I've been working here 35 years, yada, yada, yada. I'm like, all right, guy, go beat your ego somewhere else, you know? So anyway, frustrating. I'm going to have to figure out some type of fix for that. I was thinking maybe of running a, a remote exhaust cutout like Andy has, but basically do it to pass the EQ. So I block one tailpipe. So whichever one they stick the probe in, I can just block the other tailpipe and let all the exhaust go to the probe. So I don't know what I'm going to do yet, but uh, so fun stuff in my uh, realm this week. But uh, yeah, that's it for me. Uh, not not a lot for me. Um, Mustang's been basically sitting covered up. Um, been driving the focus a little bit more here and there. Not really doing anything to it. Just taking out driving it and running some errands and whatnot. Uh, actually driving it a little bit. Get some use out of one of my cars. <laughs> um, other than that, you know, I have not done a lot. Pretty slow week. Yeah, I, I also had a, a bit of a light week. Um, mostly kind of did some research uh, with uh, the 5 Series getting pulled out of mothballs, though 2,000 miles away. Um, I decided, you know what, I should look back into and refresh myself with all the things that are going to go wrong on it. Yeah, basically came down to the cooling system is the big thing that I need to uh, look back into. On So on these vehicles, uh, I don't think I've, I've mentioned it in length. Uh, the cooling system is an issue on on uh it's a 2001 uh 540i bmw and the the actual impeller uh for for the water pump um it's plastic and it just eventually wears down and the fins wear off so you know it stops pumping efficiently and you can you can end up with them overheating quite quickly because uh much like a ford their heat gauge goes from fine to hot very quickly. Uh, so it can be raising, you know, temperature into the danger zone and say it's fine until it's no longer fine. Uh, and so you can end up with warped heads and stuff very quickly. So that's something they recommend that you change before it's a problem. Uh, so I need to go in there and do that. And with that, I need to replace... Of course, you know, your your hoses. I mean, if you're going to go in there, you need to replace the hoses. Considering putting in like an aluminum radiator, kind of getting ahead of everything. Uh, and I also have a small leak from the timing chain cover and possibly from... Uh, they said there was some seepage around the water pump gasket, but I don't think it's a problem simply because I haven't lost any coolant. Uh, but again, I, I only had about 1500 miles on it, uh, since I had gotten it. So uh, we'll see, uh, 
when I get into it, if it's, if it's easier to, to replace than to not. Um, but it's kind of going to be preventative maintenance on that. Uh, the parts aren't crazy expensive. Usually with BMWs, they're relatively easy to work on and the parts are fine. It's the labor that'll get you. It's the $180 an hour, uh, labor cost. Uh, so that's that car still sitting in uh, Portland, by the way. Yeah, that's that's still up in Portland. Um, my parents go ahead and went ahead and pulled it out and blew the cobwebs out of it last week, and I appreciate that. Uh, so it's it's good and it's running, but uh, I also want to chase down the electrical gremlin when it gets here, uh, just with the lights kind of coming on whenever they dang well feel like it. It's not ideal, so. Uh, I'll chase that down as well. And other than that, the things, it ran like a champ and I, I look forward to driving it again, but kind of that was this week is research, familiarizing myself with, with the problems uh, before they come along. Oh, uh, last thing would be um, subframe bushings. Those do tend to go out uh, around 150 to 200,000, which is where I'm sitting. That's the rear so, oh, yeah. subframe on those, correct? Yeah, the rear subframe uh That's pretty known. bushings those those wear out. That, almost, that as bad as, almost as bad as the Cobra. <laughs> I think they had a lot better subframe. <laughs> oh, I'm sure. <laughs> uh, well, better for twice the price at the time. Yeah, and now for a, a tenth of the price, maybe less. Yeah, yeah that depreciation the... is sad, isn't it? Yeah, it's really weird how that works, but you know, I'll I'll take advantage of it. Yeah, get a way way more expensive car with way more development cost for way cheaper. <laughs> because people rightly don't trust it, you know. I, I would trust the Cobra to take me, even yours, Andy, with its you know troubles that it's had, highly modified. I would still trust it to get me from Portland to Tampa Bay uh, before I would trust my 540 yeah it, it's it had its issues but that was you know also part of what happens when you completely kind of gut the car there's some shakedown to it i mean i i would drive this thing across the country right now no problem yeah and i'm actively worried to drive mine so right. just as a as a test would you trust my chevy as much as your 540 to make it across the country Ooh. Oh, look, a butterfly. <laughs> Let's hear this. I'm interested. Uh, um, okay, I wouldn't trust it to break, but I would not do the trip. Um, so I'm going to break break the rules a little bit. Uh, I think that car is super cool, and I like it a lot. But if you put... Okay, okay, okay. okay. I hear the struggle in your voice. <laughs> so... Let's sit me down in uh, downtown Portland. Let's call it the Pearl District. Uh, and I'm sitting on one of the uh, the old old uh, shipping buildings that's now become, you know, like a hipster burger joint, uh, like Tilt. And I'm looking out at the parking lot, and we've got uh, Jeff's 1950 Chevy uh, built from the ground up by him. Um Next to that, we've got Andy's Cobra, which was uh, highly modified uh, by Andy. And then my 540, which is 
relatively unproven. Uh, huge difference in these vehicles and you know what we know about them and what they do. And if you said, okay, you need to do like the movie Rat Race, you know, you got to get from here to, we'll call it Tampa Bay, Florida. Um, no time limit. You just have to make it there in, you know, relative comfort, you know, and it can't be on a flatbed truck. What would I choose to get from point A to point B? At the end of the day, I'm going to I'm gonna call myself a liar and say I'd get in the 540 just because I don't know if any of them would make it, but at least I'd be the most comfortable in the 540. <laughs> I think I would most want to ride in the 540 also because I've been in that car and it's comfy. Or alternatively, it's going to break first and that's less tow truck back. <laughs> what, like what about you andy you, you, you put your money where your mouth is you just said you drive it across the country if you had to pick one of those three if i had to pick one of those if i had to pick one of those three tomorrow i'll see you in tampa tomorrow on the cobra <laughs> that's a, that's a good that's point. Easy, easy choice not that i don't like either of your two but easy choice for me see i think i just haven't ridden in your cobra enough yeah, uh, and neither of you guys have really ridden it much since I've had it. And I've had a new edge for I knows how many years now, whether it's one of the two. I'm just so used to them. I think I might I'm have not... ridden it more than anyone, actually, other than your dad. Probably. I wouldn't want to drive the Sixer across the country. That thing was loud this... and rough. But the, the Sixer was loud and rough, but the Six was reliable until I wrecked it. Yeah, I know the six would have made it. I, I have no doubt of those. If we throw that one into the mix, easily the most reliable of those. But yes, as far as just, you know, going that far, I, I just did half of it uh, a couple of months ago. Man, that's a long way to go. Um, yeah. And I know some people are laughing because they, they go much farther uh, in much less comfortable vehicles, I'm sure. But man, I just... Maybe maybe it's because I have less uh, less experience in the other vehicles. I just feel like the 540, though not the most reliable, would give me the most comfortable place to sleep overnight <laughs> while I wait for the tow truck. <laughs> okay, now now let's throw an interesting gambit into this 540 versus the bullet. Oh my man, um, you just you just. Randy up. Sorry about that. You have to believe that. You're, you just, you just messed him up big time. <laughs> I'm going to wreck this man's whole career. Yeah. <laughs> this is what I do. I provide quality entertainment for the masses. I take the bullet. I don't think it's, it's actually, it's not a huge uh, debate for me. Uh, I had it pretty much right away. Uh, I gave it a little more thought, but no, I definitely take the bullet because, uh, I mean, I, I trust that thing implicitly to take me if if there was a land bridge, I'd drive it to Timbuktu. That thing was low miles. Uh, although the suspension wasn't the most comfortable vehicle I've ever owned, it's still better to ride in than my truck was, is. And those seats are so good. And honestly, if, if I could at least put your... Okay, if we have to use the radio, that does change things again. <laughs> <laughs> But if I could put earbuds in and, and listen to, you know, 
uh, a wonderful podcast. Um, like Garage Night? Yeah, like well, like any of the shows. On the or any of the, the one, the Tiny one dog podcast. fantastic <laughs> Tiny Dog Podcasts. Oh, that was yeah. great. That was seamless, guys. Nice work. They're all going to think it's completely natural. <laughs> <laughs> look, look at their face right now. They have no clue. Yeah. Um, What's happening here? Um, so to build up the fourth wall again, I, I definitely drive uh, the bullet. And again, that would be of all of the vehicles. But that I think how much of that is the fact that I know that vehicle? I think, well, I think we all it's can, the same uh, the same as me saying I know the Cobra. Yeah, I think that's why I would say I would I would I wouldn't hesitate to drive the Chevy is because I I know every bolt on the car and I know where to look for anything that breaks so I can keep it going. And that's true. Yours is fixable, and you can get parts, uh, you know, mechanical parts, a lot of places. Yeah, true. Yeah. That that said, I, I will say it would be the least comfortable of any of the cars across the country, <laughs> probably. But if I had to pick one of my cars to go across the country, it'd probably be the Bronco or the Mustang. Bronco, oh yeah. But I would never trust the Mustang to make it, so I'd probably drive the Bronco. Bron- Bronco's the winner. Bronco's definitely the winner for you. But if you if you were to pick the Chevy, you have you have an easy solution here. All you have to do, you've got plenty of room to sleep in the Chevy. All you have to do is park it every night at a junkyard and then go pick your parts in the morning. That's true. <laughs> Good point. No one would steal it either. That's just where, it's like, oh, they'll just, look, they'll just think it's, yeah, they'll just think it's there. I get a free place to park my car and not exactly. be questioned. <laughs> I might wake up in the middle of a car crusher in the morning, but ah, who hasn't? <laughs> when in Rome. When in Rome. <laughs> oh yes, um, you might end up with uh, dirty, dirty Phil and the boys in the, in the car one night. <laughs> Uh, that is a the other guy's reference for those. Of yes, you it is. Thank you. <laughs> uh, but I don't drive a Prius, so they're not gonna they're not gonna go after me. <laughs> uh, weird energy tonight. Welcome to the show. Um, <laughs> Welcome to what happens when three guys drink beer and do a podcast. That's right. I like. Hey, that. we that's made it an hour before we made it weird. That's a good. Uh, yeah, <laughs> we did, we did yeah, good. Guys. It's been weird for the last 12 years of, of hanging out. So, <laughs> yeah, From podcast to hey. burnout to the other guy's car. Sorry. You're going to have to bleep that again. Dang it. <laughs> and Jeff made it an hour before he swore. Oh, guys, this is the third note I've made in the past three minutes. <laughs> Boy, this is, this is going to be a rough edit. Uh, I think we can cut out the last nine minutes. No, I, I think this has been good. I think we should keep this. This is not nice. recording anymore. So there we go. Oh, did we really? Did we stop? <laughs> no, no. Like I'm not. I'm not stopping it. I'm not adding another nine minutes to my day. Good man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because it's uh, it's eleven fourteen Randy's time. Ooh, well, it's yeah. this is unlucky number thirteen. Welcome to the gas leak year. Um. Okay. Hey, rental cars. We were just talking about making a cross-country trip. Um, so if you were to make that trip and fly in, uh, you know, it's good to get a, a rental car because who wants to take public transportation? Not me. Um, <clears throat> I've had an unfortunate number of rental cars. 
uh, some on vacation, but some because vehicles were in the shop for a myriad of reasons. Mm, total. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but I've enjoyed I've enjoyed some of them. Uh, a, a couple I will just pass right over and say they were awful, and uh, with some others it was kind of nice. If I could have personally, if I could have a different vehicle every month, I'd be stoked. Like I know that's what auto journalists do, but it, I don't know. Getting that different experience is, is kind of fun. And it doesn't always have to be like a, like a muscle car or something. It's just something different. Even if I don't like it, have a new one in a month, but um, I figure we can kind of touch on notable rental cars that we have had. Everyone's had a higher car at one point or another. Um, and that's that's just uh, kind of what I came up with. Uh, my earliest one that I can remember was back in uh, the winter of 2010, because I'm that old. Um, something happened. I don't remember. Something about a, a, a truck and, um, and uh, playing in the snow and some damage to the rear quarter panel. Um, but I, I got a rental car through my insurance, um, and I walked in and they said, oh, well, you had a pickup. We'll give you a pickup. Okay. I won't argue. And they provided to me a 2011 Chevrolet, uh, 2500 crew cab. Um, not super exciting, but I was able to continue my life. As per usual, it had the 5.3 liter liter Vortec V8. And uh, I'll say it had a couple of options on it. Like just being a, a crew cab uh, kind of brings it up market a little bit. And it had uh, it had a column shifter in 2011. Uh, but it was it was fine. Like it was perfectly adequate. It had one problem um it was nice it was a crew cab it was nice it was four-wheel drive but it was a gmt 6000 i believe which means that the steering wheel was about an inch and a half off center from the seat say what how much did that bother you that was one of the worst things I've endured in my adult life. <laughs> I had this truck for three weeks. It was it was fine. But every once in a while, I would be at a stoplight or something. I would look down. Now, when you're driving, it kind of just, as long as you, like me, kind of drive with one hand and the other one up on the center console or, or something, then it's just kind of in one spot. But when you reach your arms out or if you look down at the wheel and it's off center, it you know when you when you run your hand across velvet without realizing you were about to that feeling that kind of comes up your arm and crawls up your spine and makes you go it was that um when i'd look down see the whole thing just off to one side i'm like that shouldn't be there um i mean the the wheel fell easy enough to hand but that was the problem it fell to hand just one of them and not both um, so that, that really bugged the, uh, the daylights out of me, but other than that, uh, perfectly adequate vehicle. Um, you know, I, I had some kind of appreciation afterwards. I'm like, Oh, that was the smaller engine. It was, 
it, it did just fine. You know, it kind of was me breaking out of my uh, childish brandism um, into adult brandism. Uh, how about you guys? You uh, That was my least interesting, but I figure I should at least throw over. <laughs> Have you guys had uh, anything better than that? I've had a couple. Um couple you know not nothing fancy you know just a you know puddle jumper um you know as far as the last like most recently um i had so i took a um a trip over to portland i took a car for my boss over here over to portland that they were going to sell which is a 2018 i want to say toyota sienna van which is actually really nice drove really nice a lot of creature comforts it was um <clears throat> you know like it had all the premium options for everything like it was a for a minivan it was it was all right would i ever own a minivan no but you know it was it was a nice product i mean most everything toyota is putting out now is pretty you know i would say you know pretty pretty good quality um so I mean, it wasn't exactly a rental, but you know, a rental for the day, nonetheless. I mean, it was an interesting car. Um, coming back, I did have an actual rental. Um, it was a 2017 or 18 um, Ram 1500 4x4 truck. And you know my status on Dodge, but for those that don't, I will never own one. Not a big fan. Uh, well, did this, this is a new, this is a new truck and it's kind of their best of breed, you know, their half ton pickup. This is where Ram puts, you know, an FCA, FCA puts a lot of their, you know, their, their, their best stuff should be in their Rams and their Jeeps. So did it, did it help sway you at all? It's like, well, maybe these aren't as bad as I thought. I, I, I was legitimately interested because. You know me, I, I don't like almost anything Dodge product. It's like, oh, okay, it's a Ram. Well, I I drive a, a new Tundra every day, so I'm going to give it a, a legitimate side-by-side comparison. And it holds up to every standard I have of Ram, um, aside from the fact that it drove decently. I didn't have any complaints the way it drove. But as far as, you know, like for like if it was, you know, your work truck and you didn't care so much about creature comforts, sure, it's a good, cheap work truck. Aside from that, you know, like creature comforts in the truck, you know, their infotainment is terrible. Um, you know, layout of everything, uh, just not good. User integration of everything is a pain. Um, just it's substandard, you know, for a new truck. I, I, I can't see how it competes with a Silverado or an F-150. I really can't. And so, like you said, you, you know, your work vehicle is a, is a newer Tundra. So it'd probably be competitive in, in year and maybe not kitted out quite as well, but probably pretty close to a, a rental car. And so with a side-by-side for half ton, um, despite news journalists giving them, you know, kind of the edge, uh, most of the time you would say that the much older Tundra you know, that, that was designed so much longer ago is, is better than the 1500 Ram. Yes. As far as, you know, if you, if you wanted to put them all side by side, if you, put, you know, like our, our service truck versus, you know, which is, you know, 
you know, the, the standard cab Tundra, nothing fancy, no limited, no TRD Pro, none of that, you know. Um, standard Tundra versus standard Ram 1500 versus standard F-150 Silverado 1500. Um, excluding the GMCs because obviously, you know, higher end for GMC, you know, you're obviously buying higher quality there. But from those four, um, the list goes Tundra F-150 Silverado Dodge. Well, I mean, you're able to. I, I legitimately looked shape. at Tundras when I had mine services last weekend. I legitimately went through and looked at them on the lot because they're priced good and they hold value good. And they're driving one now for years. It's they're I, they hold up. They're super comfortable. Creature comforts are nice. Infotainment's nice. You know, and I'm talking in a in a service truck that I drive every day. So if my service truck holds up that nice, not even having any of the premium features. You know, I'd be, and you know me, I'm my, you know, Ford's my brand. I'd be hard pressed to, you know, pass up a Ford, but you'd have to spend a lot of money with Ford to equal what you get out of the Toyota. Huh. That's, that's actually a really interesting observation. That's kind of what I like about rental cars is you can kind of compare, you know, stuff and, and, you know, having had newer vehicles now, I can see the huge difference, um, my first rental car, which I uh, forgot about because I didn't have a picture of it, um, was a was an experience. Uh, I had a 2009 Pontiac G6. Um, that was uh, that I was a hateful that. little compact. Wasn't that silver? Yeah, that thing was awful. That was, yeah, like, was real one of the. That was one of the worst cars ever. Yeah, having had more vehicles now, it I was kind of impressed with it coming from a 2004 Ford Ranger with, you know, the sea of plastics and that. I was like, hey, this is actually decent. Um, the divide between that Pontiac and my 2012 Focus is goliathly huge. I mean, it's that should have been a 95. It was very very poorly put together uh hard edges um like the exterior design is the strongest part of it and that is the biggest damnation i can put on that vehicle um i mean that thing only got like 26 miles to the gallon in this little compact it was awful um so that was that was not good. I I was fine at the time because I was eighteen and it was free uh, through insurance. But that was that was not good. And since then, I've tried to get better better rentals. Um, you know, when I went on when I got married and went on on a honeymoon, I splurged and got a convertible V six Mustang, as you do. And that thing was really. That thing was really cool. It was silver with a black top in Florida. Um, and it was nice because we found out that if you do at least 75 miles an hour with the top down, you can outrun the rain and you won't get wet. Ah, I did not have rain. Yeah, when I- yeah we, we got lucky because we, well, not lucky, but we were traveling from Orlando to uh um that's funny enough um now i can't think of the name of it 
mentioned it three times, um, to the, to the Bay, uh, Tampa Bay and, um, traveling, we got caught in those freak, uh, storms that happened. And this is late fall. Um, and you know, it was like, well, we can either pull over and get wet and put the top up or we'll just speed up a little bit and see what happens. And, you know, there was a little bit of rain on like the back cowl by the back seats. Uh, but we were able to make it the, you know, 15 minutes through the rain and, and pull over and put the top up safely. Uh, and of course, as we pull over, we're looking at the horizon going, oh no, Tampa Bay's right there. And now it's sunny. And of course it was sunny the rest of the day, but that thing was impressive. Tampa Bay and back and then Daytona beach and back. We averaged 31 miles to the gallon that week. That's not bad at all. 300 horsepower V6. I was, I was plenty pleased with that. Um, did, uh, did yours have the governor? Um, I can honestly say that I did not find it. Nah. So I had, I had the identical rental car, but in grabber blue with the black top in Vegas. Oh, I found, the, I found the limiter of it. The first, the, the first time we hit the freeway heading out to the dam, it wasn't very high. It was, only 80 miles an hour, which is disappointing. That's not, that's not much, but, um, not much, but you could get there in a hurry. Yeah. That's, that's fun. I'll, I'll, uh, get to my, my favorite one a little bit later, but I can tell you that not all rental cars have, uh, limiters on them. Oh yeah. Uh, this was from, this was from a rental car price that, uh, we'll, we'll end on the scale. I won't mention names because I'm still mad to this day with them, but, uh, um, you get what you pay for with rental car companies. I have learned that. And I, I spend probably too much. Uh, I have about, I'll use a certain enterprise and I'll use Avis and Hertz. And that's about it. I used dollar last time and that was actually fine. Um, but big companies like that, I don't mind throwing them under the bus if they did a bad job, Fox. Um, oh yeah. Yeah. Well, since you're going to say it, yeah, it's Fox. <laughs> yeah, no, Fox is Fox is bad. Um, don't ever don't ever use Fox, especially if you're in Vegas. Stay away. <laughs> yeah, my parents did the same same thing in the same town, and it was unfortunate. Uh, three hours of arguing. Oh yeah, yeah, yep, same. Now the uh, my next rental car is actually something that um, you and Jeff will will remember. I had uh, for a short time. While uh, my blue truck was getting fixed for a rollover, I had a 2012 Ford Focus. Not my white one. I had a red one. Yes, I remember the red one. Yep, that was a that was a rental that I received for that, and I can say without a shadow of a doubt that a 2012 Focus hatchback can indeed tow. An SM95 Mustang. <laughs> may or may not have some some doing in this shindig. Yeah, in the in the uh, <clears throat> in the days, uh, a, a mutual friend of ours bought a SN95 for dirt cheap, um, dirt. and you know, planned on on you know putting a bunch of money into it and, and making it kind of race car. And so he brought it out to a garage night that we did and uh, we wrenched on it a little bit and checked some stuff out. And I believe the 
uh, X pipe was being held up by ratchet strap. Ratchet strap. Yeah, no, that was the transmission. The the X pipe was bailing wire. Oh, yes, oh. You're right. You're right. Yeah. My bad. <laughs> yeah. Oh, and and the the oil pressure gauge didn't work according to the guy he bought it from. So don't don't go off <laughs> of the gauge and say it had no oil pressure. Yeah. Yeah, the gauge didn't work, or there was no oil. Uh, one, yeah. Oh, oh, there um, was oil. <laughs> it, <laughs> yeah, it just it didn't end up in the car. <laughs> yeah, so we we went out uh, to go get pizza and and stuff, and coming back on the highway. To be clear, uh, uh, we were actually in Mexico getting pizza. Yes, yes. We were in Mexico <laughs> the long night in Mexico. We, we went all the way to Mexico to get pizza. Yeah, felt like it. Um, we went a long way to Mexico to get tacos, Jeff. Get it right. <laughs> yes. Taco pizza. Come on. Yeah. Taco pizza. Uh, the engine went ahead and gave up the ghost at that point. Um, what were we doing exactly? Do you remember? We were just, dri- we were just driving back. Oh, we were just, dri- we were just okay. driving back. Sure we two, cars, two cars next to each other driving back down a back road somewhere in Mexico. Yeah. And, Mexico. Uh, yeah, sure. <laughs> Because Andy Andy was helping escort um, the uh, the black SN with his. Uh, you got to help me out. Was that the Sixer or was that the yeah, Sixer? Was the sixer. Yeah, that was the Sixer. Um, I was I so, was lighting I was lighting the road for him from the other side of the road. Yes, and it went ahead and and let go, and we, you know, we had to get get it back to uh, my house, which is now in Mexico. And <laughs> so did we end up using the ratchet strap from the transmission to get that done? No, no. I had a strap in my car because okay. yeah. you know how, how many times my car had issues before. Yep. I've towed your so, car before. Yep. So that, that focus was really good. And it is why I ended up uh, purchasing a first gen focus uh, for better or worse. It was mostly worse. a good car. Worse. That was not um, a first gen. No, 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 no. That was a. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, third gen. Third gen. Mark, yes. Mark three. Yeah. And that was mostly for worse because you got like the bad gear. Yeah, but everything but the transmission was actually just fine. Uh, <laughs> I like that car. It was fine. Especially and then you got rid of the... it. You got rid of it just just in the wrong time as well too. Yeah, recall stuff. Um, we actually had to return that car before my truck was done something about the mileage and they were going to move it on. And so for the last five days, um, I had the pleasure of driving. Do you remember when the 2012 Honda Civic came out and the next year, it was so bad the next year they came out with a new one. Yeah. I, I got the pleasure. I yeah. I got the pleasure of driving the one year 2012 uh honda civic i don't remember that i don't either yeah i I think he was so embarrassed that he just ghosted us for a week oh no you guys never met the car certainly not (laughs) exactly Uh, there's one picture that is allegedly of me in the car but whoever it was had moved the hood for their jacket over the side of their face that the passenger couldn't get a clear photo so there's no proof i ever drove it um, but I can say that it was a hateful vehicle. So when you open your trunk and you, you know, you've got a carpeted trunk, that, that trunk liner material in there, that's kind of scratchy. Yeah. That was the carpet. What? 
in the actual passenger compartment no. was quite literally the texture of trunk liner material. You said it was a 2012 <laughs> Civic? Yes. And the seats were that kind of uh, loosely woven uh, tight thread seats that came on like uh, a Fiero. Um, oh, the just, kind that you, when you catch your fingernails on them, so they drag and just, <laughs> yeah. that it's, horrible feeling that I can't stand. It's like fingernails on the chalkboard. It's the stuff that kind of looks like wetsuit material, but feels worse. Yeah. So what you're saying is you drove the equivalent of a Crown Vic taxi cab, but newer. I'm not done. <laughs> oh, sorry. <laughs> hey, Andy, FO, okay? This car, okay, so it had this, and I know other Civics had this. The dashboard is split, so there's an upper and a lower instrument panel. And then there's the um, infotainment screen to the right. The upper and lower had separate dimmers and the infotainment had no dimmer. What? Yeah. So there was, there was separate dimmers for all of the things and I never found one of them. So I was always blinded by one of them. And then it's, as a complete disaster. They hadn't finished the car. Uh, I know someone who owns a 13 and it's, and it's a perfectly fine car. You know, the civic is a, is a, is a fine car. Oh my God. Most I'm, I'm looking at the pictures this now. Was, this thing is atrocious. The 12 was really, 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 really bad. Really? You're going to really upset some Honda fanboys, man. Nope. <laughs> they nope. had a cool engine or something. The K20. No. So the the 2012 Civic is referred to quite a bit like the Mustang 2. Like, oh, did that happen? (laughs) In which that did not happen. Yeah. Great for its front suspension. I'll let that one slide. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, um, the only good higher car I've had other than that, like I've been in some other... Uh, V6 Mustangs, but the last time I went on a, a you know, a, a big vacation uh, prior to moving here was in the fall of 2015 in Arizona. And I got, I finally got a car I wanted. Finally got a car I really wanted. The uh, S550s had just come out. Uh, the Mustangs, the S550 Mustangs had just come out. And I got, I got an EcoBoost. And it was competition orange, and it was a coupe. And it had heated and cooled seats, and cooled seats in Arizona is wonderful. Yeah, I remember you telling me about this. I was jealous of that. I remember this. I, I loved going through the different settings, Sport and Sport Plus and Track, uh, and just you know changing the weight of the steering wheel. All of that just tickled my tickled my happy uh just my funny bone just i'm like it's giggling this is this is just fun just clicking over and and the paddles it was it was a lot of fun and i almost got used to the exhaust note by the end and uh i couldn't quite justify buying one when i got back um after getting back in the bullet i'm like nah nah this but 
that was a that was a really fun car. The you know the uh, aircraft style switches in it felt really good uh, to toggle, um, and it had power and sportiness without being fast. But that was that was my interesting uh, rental car that I've that I've had uh, was that one. So I you know S five fifties are are just they're fun cars. You know black interior competition orange uh paint would recommend but i think that's it for uh for rental cars does anyone else have anything interesting i've never rented a car so i'm gonna sit this one out for rental cars (laughs) my cars always work guys so you don't have to worry about renting a car <laughs> okay, well, next time Jeff goes to Florida, he better be driving cars. I'm going to drive my Falcon because that's the one that always works at about 60 miles an hour for three or four days. Might might take you five or six days to get there, but you'll Good get point. there. But I'll Quoting. get there. Quoting for reference. How will he get through the Rockies? He won't. Slowly. Slowly. <laughs> <laughs> That car is good at one thing, going slow. <laughs> hey, before we close it out for tonight, uh, I would propose we play a game. Ooh. Do we I'm have down. time for a Game Boys? I think sure. Game Boys, like, uh, like I the I haven't picked up a Game Boy in a hot minute. Game. I haven't thought about that for a while. <laughs> or like a, like a, a rap group called the Game Boys with like a Z. <laughs> Never mind. I'll just go ahead and end this one now. <laughs> yeah. Well, we're done. Jeff ruined. Jeff ruined a good thing. Let's come back let's, next week, everybody. No, no, no. Let's do this game. Let's do it. Let's hear it. What's okay. this game you're talking about? So uh, we were talking in the pre-roll tonight, and uh, I I got a wild hair to play a little game uh, with Jeff. And so Jeff has formulated a number of um, items uh, that are considered like advanced or luxury items. And, you know, uh, for those who haven't listened, Jeff is uh, is a hater of all things post-1990. Um, the older, the better. Uh, and so he generally hates all these fancy high-tech things like fuel injectors. Um, and so I thought, you know, it'd be fun. Cause I know he likes, he liked, you know, some of the things in my BMW. So what, what does he like and what does he hate about newer vehicles? So he's, he's made a list of, of things and we're going to, uh, Andy and I are going to vote and see, see who has the best score on this. So, um, uh, why don't you go ahead and uh, give us our first our first item here, Jeff, and we'll uh, we'll each vote. Okay, so the first luxury item I have here is uh, defrost. That seems pretty luxurious. <laughs> okay, so the first one's a gimme. <laughs> I, I think I think uh, Jeff approves of defrost. I, I will also go for approve. All right. Yep. Yep. You guys nailed it. Good. That was a good okay. tester. All right. Yeah, that's how the game works. Self-canceling turn signals. Whew. Mm. Mm. 
I'm I'm gonna say yes on this one. That's a toss up. Um, I'll go yes on that one. All right, you both get a point. I know why this is though. Um, I, I want half a point because I know why. He has two vehicles. He has his motorcycle has a self canceling turn signal on it. Mm-hmm. Even his motorcycle does, um, and that's something that started very early. That's not a new technology. It's a it's a definitely like a like a luxury when it first came out, but it came out early enough that I I, I assumed it would be <clears throat> yes sixties when they came out. There you go. <laughs> um, all right. So, how about digital gauges? Hmm, digital gauges. Andy, I'm going to let you take this one. I'm going to go with no. Randy? Uh, I have to go no as well. God, you guys know me so well. I'm very transparent, aren't I? Well, you've just. <laughs> You you spoke you've spoke about um, how you love the the you know the design of of some good gauges when you know when we uh, in the pre roll sometimes we'll look through eBay cars uh, with each other and you'll and you'll say ah oh, man those gauges though so that is that is something you have uh, you've put out there and like your Bronco has really cool gauges and I know that's something that you know you put a lot of time into which gauges to put into the Chevy as well. Mm-hmm. All right, let's see here. Mix it up here. Backup cameras. Uh, that's going to be a hard no. I'm I'm going to go yes. I'll change it up. I'll go yes. Randy, you get a point. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I had a feeling. Turn your that- damn head. <laughs> Uh, thanks for taking the sacrifice there, Andy. <laughs> All right. How about satellite navigation? He has a really bad sense of direction, though. <laughs> I wish you had the same thought I did. <laughs> I'm still going to say no. Yeah, I'm I think I'd rather, I'd rather be lost in a cool car than know where I am <laughs> right, in some lane. Right, right. <laughs> Yeah, that's that's a no. Yeah, you guys are right. <laughs> I would rather be lost in a cool car than have some stupid satellite navigation on my car. Uh, uh, I that think doesn't mean I'm not going to have it open sitting on the seat next to me, but I'm definitely yeah, not exactly have not built in. God forbid you have it built in. God forbid it's convenient and easy to use. <laughs> okay, how about heated seats? That that's an easy yes for me. Yeah, it's a yes. Yeah, you guys. Yeah, that's a yeah. yes. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Air conditioned seats. Okay, this might be the first tricky one. Hmm. I'm just see because this you know he likes the heated seats. Why would he not like air conditioned seats? They're not as critical where he lives, but I still feel like that's. Also, that's something that I could see an old car having where they like literally just shoved a tube and there's like a lever that you pull that opens up a hole in the floor and it just brings a road <laughs> grit and crap up into the seat. Um, 
I'm actually going to say that he likes that. I'm going to say that he is pro cooled seats. I'm going to say no. I got to give it to Randy. I, I, I'm, I'm good with cooled oh, okay. seats. Oh. And the lever thing is, is a great one there. I like that. Pull the lever, pull the air up your butt. That's pretty good. <laughs> I meant up like I'll, a back. I'll let that one go. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Lane departure assist. I'm I'm gonna break the mold this time and I'm gonna say he doesn't want it on his car, but he approves of the technology because he's had too many people pull out in front of him. That's 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 gonna be my yes. That's gonna be a yes on that one. I'm going no. Andy, you get it. No way. Okay. Get that shit out of here. Yeah. <laughs> Randy ruins the perfect score. Yeah. Uh, I just I had I had to go for something. Use your use your uh use your sensory awareness. Don't don't rely on technology. Um I guess that ruins my net. I would say backup cameras. I think I might have done that one already. Yes, yeah, we did backups. Yeah. All right. Uh here's an here's a nice luxury item. Power steering. And so, that's, that's a tough one for for Jeff. That man, I I think he's pro power steering. I'm I'm going to say pro power steering. Otherwise, he wouldn't have put it in the in the in the Chev. I didn't put it in the Chevy, but oh, I am did. pro power steering. <laughs> yep. No, I, I yep. couldn't get the uh, I couldn't get it to fit uh, correctly. So. But you're both right. Find, Pro power steering. Finding that level of lazy, you know. Yeah, yeah. Do I need to build a custom frame around the steering rack, or should I just bolt this one in? Um. Okay. Let's see. What else do I have here? Um, intermittent wipers. Hmm. Intermittent wipers. You know, back when you actually had to turn your wipers on, Randy, there's like a knob <laughs> and you could like turn it to different intervals that the wipers would then wipe at. For some reason, both of the BMWs do require me to turn them on the first time. It's, yeah. it's not just passive. Yeah, that's tough for you. <laughs> so lame. Ah, first world problems. Um, I, despite, yeah, see, that's a red herring though. I think he likes... Intermittent wipers, I think that was to throw us off. I'm going to go yes. I'm going to go yes as well. Yeah, I think yeah, it's a, nailed it. That's a, that's a <laughs> throw off one there, yeah. Yep, I, I put him in the Chevy for a reason. <laughs> yeah. Um, how about this? Rain-sensing wipers. No. Because <laughs> well, uh, based on what, what you just said, I'm I'm with Andy. That's a, that's a big no on that one. Man, I'm just too – I'm too easily read. Uh, I think, <laughs> and the ones that we got wrong are are us kind of going out on a limb. Yeah, I think you guys are tied up. Shoot, we, we yeah, we're tied up. Two, two misses a piece so far. How about a uh, torque vectoring? Oh, he's an engineering nerd. He's all about this. I, th- I think it's it's a yes. Randy's going yes. Well. As much as I want to say yes, I have to say no. I mean, yeah. I think it's that was your fault right there. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah, I actually do like torque vectoring, um, mostly because I actually had a system that I I'm not going to divulge too much in case I decided to do it. But uh, I had this cool like 
thing I was I was kind of working on that's like a torque vectoring thing. That's uh, anyway. Yes, I like torque vectoring. I think it's neat. Um, so Randy is up one point. Do you guys have any other ones you want to throw at me? That then we can then. I'm gonna throw. I'm gonna throw this at Jeff. So, <clears throat> um, heated mirrors. Mm, I thought of that one. Ooh. Ooh. Uh, what do you guys think? I think it depends on what he, I, I hate to be this guy. I think it depends on what he's driving because I know for a fact, if you've got like on the Bronco, if you put him on the Bronco, his oversized tires would just flick crud up onto the mirrors and then it'd bake on. But as a concept, as a concept, I'm going to say a no, he does not like them. Because then that's putting more wires in. You really don't need it. More than more Nanny. So, yeah, I'm going no as well. Yeah, you know, you made a compelling argument there, though, for a minute, Randy. <laughs> I really like the, the Bronco argument because those mirrors are really notorious for fogging up pretty bad. And heat would be nice, but you're right. I don't want to add that complexity and F that. So, yeah. No. Okay. My, mine for you will be a heads-up display. Oh, shoot. I had that one written down. I totally forgot to ask it. Um, Yeah. Heads up display. All right. You guys go for it. I'm going to go same argument. Like, you know, practicality in use. I I think it's a no in concept. Yes. So is that a yes or a no? Hard no. I'm going to agree. A heads-up display is a hard no for for Jeff. The hardest no. <laughs> yes, I hate heads-up display. They are so annoying. Okay, okay. I've got I've got one for him. This is this is going to be tricky for him uh, based on history. Um, what about uh, automatically locking hubs and lockers? Oh. Like, you know, like, like either vacuum or electronic hubs and like lockers that are actuated versus levers or going out and turning your hubs. So I'll, I'll, I'll take this. So I think in theory, it's good, you know, but in practicality, there's too many issues and you can't rely on them. And we all know how much Jeff hates technology. I'm going to go no. I'm going to say yes for exactly the same reason, but then he will squirrel away to his corner and install airlines <laughs> and and do it anyway, even though he's like, it's not the best, but I don't want to get cold. So uh, good points on all counts. Um, I don't think Jeff has an answer for this. Too. I'm really, you know, you, you're, you're, Randy's argument actually compelled me because I, I was 100% agreeing with Andy when he was talking yeah, F that stuff. It's going to break. And then you're like, mm, but I don't want to get out of the car. That's kind of nice. You know, I'm thinking like zombie apocalypse. It'd be really crappy if I had to like crawl out there and fight the zombies to put my damn hubs in. But, or uh, after us. We're but on the flip side, what if it fails you in the apocalypse? That's true. You know, then I'm like going to go find blinds somewhere, you know. So, yeah, I'm going to have to go with Andy's answer there. That's pretty good. Oh. Yeah. But... How about how about uh, like centrally controlled locking uh, lockers? 
the, the yeah, I think, speed of which you I process it up tells me yes. I'm going yes. I think I'm thinking well Okay, so when you KRB, say that, what would onboard air uh lockers or Eaton E locker versus like limited slip or permanent lockers? Uh I guess versus um uh, what else would that be versus yeah limited slip versus like a limited slip situation um that's a hard one i think what would it be what would it be versus like i'm saying i'm thinking like a would i put a thing on my dash or a full would i have a full-time locker or would i put a toggle on my dash to actuate it yeah that's basically what we're talking about is it something that does that does it itself like a limited slip which just kind of engages when it needs to or a locker that's always engaged versus you decide when it's open and when it's closed with the push of a button like a um like a land cruiser yeah and uh andy you already answered this then you said yes i said, said, I said yes for it. um i'm gonna go ahead i gotta this is this is a tough one for me because i think you're right andy but i think there's a world in which he doesn't want to leave that up to a, a kinked line. Um, but on his vehicles, he wants to be able to turn that stuff off. I think he's for it because I think he wants to be able to have full control of his vehicle. I like it. I like it. There's some, there's some thought being put into this. You guys are right. Well, it's not very much fun for people listening if we just say yes. No. Yes. 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 Ooh, that was a good one. That like echoed. That was sweet. <laughs> well, uh, we're 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 dead tied, so well, yeah, we're, we got we got we got to break the tie here somewhere. Give us a good one, Jeff. Oh man. Um, okay, here's one. Um, ABS. Ooh. Randy, I'll defer. I don't even know if I if I know what I like on. This. <laughs> I know that's the problem. Do I want it? I don't have well, that's what we've been it. doing. Is we've turned this into a courtroom drama. Uh, <laughs> <are you ready? laughs> Judge Rand. Um, Judge Jeff. <laughs> dun, dun. <laughs> dun 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 uh, I I hate to put Andy in a in a in a position here, but I'm going to say he is pro ABS just because it's it is a fully mechanical safety device. It's not electronic. I, I I'll I'll take I was gonna take the no anyway on that one. You were gonna say he's not he does not like ABS. Yep. Wow, if that's what, so that was going to be your answer anyway. Exactly. Okay, we got a legitimate tiebreaker here. All right, Jeff. God, I'm as torn as you guys are. Shit, I don't know. Uh, okay, which one of us is the better friend? Who do you like? Tune better? in next week for Jeff's answer when he has a week to decide. <laughs> um. Who do I like week. better as a friend? Well, <laughs> <laughs> well I, 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 I will point out I am closer and more likely to visit before Randy. Hint, hint. Ooh, good point. Oh, he God. has visited me more times since he moved. So, <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, man, that's a tough one. Because, like, on one hand, I really think I've been in situations where I'm like, man, sliding off the road really would have sucked. And I locked up my tires for, like, a mile. But... On the other hand, I'm like, I really don't want to have to deal with all that lines and all that crap inside the ABS module going bad. But I think in principle, I think 
and and what it can offer in terms of safety, I think ABS might have the edge. Who voted for what? I don't even remember. Randy Randy gets the nod. Does he get the nod? Ah, oh. <sighs> close. Just, that was close. Just by a bit. That was close. That was a fun game. That was fun. Yeah, you guys you guys made compelling arguments both ways. I think, and I was. I was questioning my own thoughts at the end of it. So. <laughs> I, I am legitimately looking forward to next week's game. Yes. Yeah. Uh, definitely. Uh, I'm. I'm looking forward to another another game. This was. This was fun. Hopefully, we can do uh, some more of these. Maybe uh, at least every. We got another one for next week already. But even if we just do it every couple of weeks, um, that was fun. Also. Uh, congratulations if you listen this far this is far and away our uh, our longest podcast ever um, for this uh, particular uh, podcast um, yeah and I, th- I think with that we've pretty much covered what we're going to cover tonight um, you guys have any other final thoughts oh nothing for me but be sure to check out Retro Tech on Monday's it's a sweet little podcast that we're doing about some old old school technology. Um, pretty cool. Be sure to check it out. You want to give them give them the the subject, or do you want to make them wait? I like making them wait, but um, I might as well give them. Uh, so this previous week, if you listen, we did Nash Motors uh, innovations and um, some of their contributions to modern uh, automobiles. And this next week, we will be covering Franklin Automobiles. So uh, look forward to that. Um, it will just be more of a, uh, it will be a little shorter than the previous topic because Nash had a lot of cool stuff that they did. But uh, Franklin will still be pretty interesting. I hope you guys tune in and check it out. Yeah, and that's a wonderful show. I enjoy uh, listening to it uh, myself every week. It's a lot of stuff that I, I don't really know much about. And so... If you haven't listened, it's a uh, it's a short ten to fifteen ish minute um, uh, single subject that uh, you know Jeff just comes on and, and talks about. It's just him. There's no fanfare. Just comes in and gives you some information real quick and uh, right right back out. Uh, makes up for this long show. Uh, thank you, Jeff, for for recording those. They're very enjoyable. Uh, anything from you, Andy? Uh, no, nothing else on my end. Um, they will definitely check out the, uh, <clears throat> check out Jeff's episodes. They're definitely a good listening. They'll say, you know, same thing from my end, you know, everything Jeff talks about is stuff I have very little knowledge on. So it's, you know, even for me, it's super informative. It's, it's a good listen during my work day as well too. So check that out. And the other yeah. podcasts on tiny dog podcast network. Be sure to check those out. Well, for those of you who have stuck with us again this long, thank you for listening to the Garage Night Podcast, a part of the Tiny Dog Podcast Network. You can contact us at Tiny Dog Podcast Network at Outlook.com. Uh, ratings and reviews on whatever you listen to us on is always hugely helpful and welcomed. Uh, you can also reach us on the Instagram page, Garage Night Podcast. Uh, be sure to check out the other shows on the network too. If you're interested in video games, uh, check out just another side quest. That's every other Thursday. And if you're a dirt bike fan, check out loose spokes on Fridays. 
Uh, you can find all about all these shows on tinydogpodcast.com. That's the website that we uh, I've been updating uh, more recently. So uh, without further delay, and from all of us here at the network, I wish you a good night. Good night, y'all. Good night, everybody. Thank you for listening to the Garage Night Podcast. A special thanks for Jeff Tracy and Annie Tamlin for joining the show this week. Until next week, keep turning wrenches. And we'll go ahead and uh, we'll get into. <laughs> Excuse you. <laughs> I, I, just, I wanted to stop that and start over. I couldn't hold it any longer. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> right when you started, I was. Right as you started, the cat. <laughs> I was laughing silently for so long and then I choked on myself and I couldn't hold it any longer. <laughs> go away, podcat. Come on. All right. <laughs> I'll just oh, I'll God, decide if funny. I keep this in or, or not. Um, <laughs> here we go. That might some be some reality. Um, okay. <laughs>